Welcome to the Realized Gains Podcast, a guide to real estate investing. Join our co-hosts, Jordan Lee and Stephen Tran, as we interview a diverse group of real estate investors, both amateur and professional. Our goal is to help you understand that anyone can invest in real estate. Tune in to hear creative strategies and learn from both our mistakes and our successes. You can find us where you love to listen to podcasts, on YouTube, or at jordanleemortgage.com. Hey guys, if you're looking for the Portland Real Estate Investing Podcast, don't worry, we're still here. We're now the Realized Gains Podcast. We have the same great guests and interviews, and of course, the same great hosts. Check it out. So you're saying that you could help current owners if they wanted to break up their share, break up their ownership and tap their equity, you, you would be able to offer them a solution. That's that's literally our marketing campaign in Maui. Oh, okay. Uh, we're, our, where we are not seeking out like a property to buy. Or whatever. You're, no, you're we're saying vacation homeowners. Yeah, we know you only here, we know you're here three months a year. Yeah. And you're paying 12 months of expenses. And Okay, maybe you know the, you know our, our market's down ten percent or whatever it is in Maui right now exactly, but you've been up one hundred twenty percent over the last like ten years. Let's help you sell out some of that equity. You keep your ownership share. Nothing happens, and Still we get manage the property. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're you know okay, so maybe next year you'll have to rotate whatever. But the I, you know it's no punishment to us that we have to sell fifty fifty ownership shares. To me, with some of those properties, that's even a better way to own it than six more people. Uh, Hey guys, welcome to episode 16 of the Realized Gains podcast. I'm Stephen Tran. I'm a licensed realtor in the state of Oregon and a multifamily investor. And I'm your co-host, Jordan Lee. I'm a mortgage professional based in Portland, Oregon, and I'm licensed in 12 states. And I also invest in single family homes. And today we've got a super exciting show for you. Uh, we, The guest we brought in is Noah Kirschbaum, who's a, a agent that's been around for you know 10 plus years. Yeah. yeah. Used to be a chef like myself. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so he he has this company called Kohana, and they have a really interesting business model where they facilitate co co ownership. Yeah, no, it's it's really interesting. Like I said, there's a million ways to invest in real estate, and it's so interesting that he's creating another one. You know, and uh, I know he's doing his first project in Hawaii mm -hmm. of all places, and I know they're expanding. So you know, I'll let him tell you all about it. So let's just jump right in. Yeah, if you wanna if you wanna co-own a place in Hawaii, this is the episode for you. Yeah, let's get it. Hey guys, welcome to the Realized Gains Podcast, formerly the Portland Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your co-host Stephen Tran, and I'm Jordan Lee here, and we have a, an, our other special co-host Alex Fan. And today we are interviewing a special guest, Noah Kirschbaum. So, real quick, I mean, just to start, Noah, can you tell us a little bit about your your background and what? like how you kind of found your way. I know you didn't start in real estate. Uh, I think you were you were a cook like myself back in the day. Yes. So um, yes. maybe you can tell us a little bit about your, your journey, your story, and how you got going. Sure. Yeah. No, I yeah, my first career, I was a, a chef. I worked in restaurants uh, in my 20s, and uh, it led me on. Here in town? Uh, no, Portland is one of the few places I've lived where I was not actually a okay. cook at all, okay. which is sort of funny. But uh I lived in. I was in Boston, okay. and then San Francisco. Owned a restaurant in San Francisco. Oh wow! 
and then sold that around the dot-com bubble era and moved and decided to sort of bounce around a mountain town. So with the Tahoe, were actually able to sell for a profit or was, was we actually, uh, Broke even on that. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you why, because if we had waited three months, right, right. It, we would have had, we'd still own it. It would yeah. just be worth nothing. No, it was, a, it was my, it was all my dad's call. I wish I had something to do with it, but no, um, we, uh, I moved on to some mountain towns. I bounced around and I ended up in Bend, Oregon. Okay. Oh, wow. Oh, and then was, you moved. That's how I moved to Oregon. It was the first time I lived in Bend. I lived in Bend for a long time. And then after that career, I went back to grad school. And I got a master's in counseling psychology. And I was getting my license to become a therapist. And a then uh, former partner asked me to help with real estate. And at the time, we were going through that whole short sale, mm -hmm. uh, the last a lot of people needed downturn. <laughs> and it was, the, it was actually theoretically the perfect role. Because right, yeah. I was more of a therapist in yeah. the real estate community than I was as a therapist because mm -hmm. nobody could afford to hire a therapist and everybody was selling their house in these unfortunate ways. Right. So I became a realtor and I, uh, I liked it. One thing led to another. I moved to Portland mm -hmm. and uh, uh, got a job working for someone who... Uh, I was working with builders and remodelers and investors, and I assisted him for a year, and we did this incredible amount of uh, transactions and remodels, and then I, I what worked with him. This, this was 2012. Oh, okay. So it's been 10 years wow. uh, that I've been doing this here in Portland. So we, we did remodels and, and flips together, and then um, uh, I worked with a builder for five or six years, and then I built houses and started doing remodeling on my own, and, and uh, so... Now I, I do a little bit of that. I do a little bit of uh, brokering and uh, I've got this new uh, co-ownership business, which we'll talk about today. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so it's been a, it's been a fun, really exciting 10 years. And uh, if you told me I would be doing this now, I would have said no way. But now that I'm doing it, I love it. It's, it's been a lot of fun. What a journey. Yeah. Awesome. That was just sharing that. really wrapped that up nicely, actually. <laughs> I kind of like how I put that together. But yeah, no, thank you. It's been, it's been a fun journey. Terrific. Well, tell us a little bit more about specifics to your experience around investing. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, I, I, I helped a developer and I helped, uh, you know, you and I helped other people. Because uh, 2012 was like prime, prime, that's when I bought and like prices were low, yes, rates were low. Yes, it was a great time to find projects for a builder because uh, the, the expectation was that a builder could get in and uh, divide something at a really low cost mm. and everybody was kind of okay with that. And it was uh, like, how was the city doing that at that time in terms of like permitting? And it was great. It was actually really great. And, uh, you know, I'm on social media following, I have I'm friends with a lot of these big builders and all they do is complain about permitting in Portland <laughs> and, and none of them were saying that in 2012. They were right. all building a lot of giant houses or, uh, subdividing houses and doing one giant house and then something really creative in the other one. And that was happening a lot because it was really easy and you knew it would take 90 days or it would take nine months and you just kind of knew when you went to the city and something happened like four or five years ago where all that really did change, um, where it is now very difficult to get anything done and getting a lot line adjustment must be very difficult right now. Um, it used to be really easy to do all that stuff. So most of your developments were in Portland proper, like Portland, Multnomah County? Portland and uh, Happy Valley. Okay. Happy Valley, we did, our builder lived in Happy Valley. 
So we helped uh, him, uh, uh, like the whole Bari Avenue is a street where we helped him build that almost that entire street. Wow. So it was stuff like that. That was a, it was a lot of, uh, I learned a lot. What were your roles specifically? Was it in the acquisitions, helping project manage? Uh, uh, the bu buying of the land. And then there was some design, you know, questions and stuff, but it was mostly then uh, selling the product that he was. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it was a really interesting uh, job because you, you work really hard to find something and then there was nothing for <laughs> like nine months. Right, right. Uh, luckily this guy was turning and you know, churning and burning, so to speak. He was buying lots and building and building and building. So we were really busy. Um, I mean, that's a quick turn time cool. though, to go from acquisition to being able to sell again in nine months. Uh, yeah. Yes, I will tell you that he was a production builder, but cu did custom style. Mm. So it was the kind of the best of both worlds. And everybody, I, I, you know, there were some people that, uh, you know, that compl that complained about, you know, uh, stuff during inspections and stuff. But I've never heard of anybody going back to him and saying you built a bad house or something like that. So yeah, it was it was impressive to be around that. Yeah. I, what's interesting is, you know, as we were, as that last cycle of the recession started back in 07 and, uh, you know, Mark was bleeding, uh, you know, government loosened up. They were willing to, to take on. We saw, I remember seeing a lot of builders shut down mm. right now. I mean, they lost a lot of money. People, some of those production builders who were overextended and right. as soon as the market turned, they couldn't, they couldn't carry anymore. They lost their projects. Which is, I don't, I don't think we're going to see the same thing in today's market, but we are seeing a, a shift, right? And what I heard Noah in this experience, right? You go in deep now. This is an opportunity time to get in Absolutely. and do some projects. That's cool, right? If everyone's building in 08, right, and then and then nobody's building in 2012, when's the good time to build, right? <laughs> exactly, right. Well, I mean, you know, it's going to be interesting. Like theoretically, you, you would find really good projects it's going to be interesting to see what those co projects cost mm -hmm. uh everything the hard part about putting together a project now is all the stuff you're building is really expensive mm -hmm. in 2012 it was again the lot was inexpensive lumber was inexpensive it was really this incredible time to build now it's going to be interesting to see you know refrigerators are really expensive mm -hmm. and hard to find Things like that. Um, so, you know, it, it, now being an investor, you have that extra added issue of, um, you know, your your costs are going to be up, what, like 10% because of just regular inflationary mm -hmm. conditions right now. So it's an interesting time to be an investor. So you you took that experience and it sounds like you're working on an interesting project right now um, yeah. that I, I think a lot of our listeners don't really have a good feel for because it's not super super popular in our market um maybe you can explain what what you're working on and, and how that you know how you think it's gonna continue to get more popular well sure so you know uh the millennial uh age uh, folks in the room that's <laughs> all of you right <laughs> yeah it's not you and me you're close I'm but uh, really you're, you're, you're millennials. You're millennials. I'm a I'm a Gen X man. He's a well, geriatric like, millennial. <laughs> yeah, like just right on the yeah, edge. Yeah, okay. um, we um, uh, sharing is uh, is a popular concept, right? Mm -hmm. So you're sharing cars. 
we have this actually service starting here now. It's big in LA where I'm, I'm from, but like you can rent someone's pool for the day, yeah, right? That. And that's yeah. starting to happen here, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. So we're, we're we're into this we're in this sharing uh, world, and I think as we come into you know out of whatever economic thing we're going into, I think it's only going to be more sharing. I, the guy from WeWork is doing this new thing with rentals where it's almost like a WeWork for rental properties. I forget exactly what it's called, but it's like sharing space within your space. So it's like a whole new take on, on renting. Our concept is not new. It's, it's um, sharing of ownership right. in vacation towns. Okay. Uh, and specifically, you know, um, theoretically vacation homes. Um, okay. uh, but when I, I just paused because it would be, you know, condos, apartments, those are all sort of counted under vacation homes. Think like Blackbeard where you buy a quarter exactly. share in a house. Exactly. Okay. okay. So the difference between what your current system in Black Butte is, so that's technically timeshare. Okay. Why that's timeshare is you own a quarter of that deed uh -huh. and at any time you can sell that quarter. Okay, so the value of the home is constantly being affected because you're taking out the portion and selling it. And so it's hard to get a read on what the value of the house is okay. because if I just want to get out of this deed and I sell it for something ground floor, I've now lowered the value of the home. And actually you can see, if you look at the stats throughout time, all timeshares lose value other than the owner of the actual land and real estate. That person usually makes the money. The, the, mm -hmm. the person that owns the share usually sells it for a loss. Mm -hmm. Our idea is to have owners participating in owning a real estate, going in at a price that makes sense, uh, enjoying the vacation home for a, a period of time, which is eight years, and then selling the whole house. So you're signing a contract to share this home with right. other people for an eight-year period of time. And if there are circumstances where you want to get out, we would help facilitate that. We're just not selling portions of the deed because when you do that, you lower the value of the home. And our idea is you're investing in real estate and you're investing in your vacation home. You're enjoying the vacation home and you're going to sell it for a profit. And so uh, there's other companies that do this. There's a big player called Picasso out there but they also sell the shit they don't they don't do whole ownership they will sell the deed okay sometimes they will they're starting to change their model but up until now it's you're owning portions of a deed you don't own the deed as an llc and that's what we are so we're an llc with members who own a home for an eight-year period of time and then the whole the whole home is sold at eight years or at a period of time where we advise you're going to make money on the home yeah, I was gonna say yeah. Like depending on the cycle and where we're at, eight year might not be the best time to sell it. Right. Right. So, right. so those, those owners say in that if there was a dip at that point, do you renew for a certain amount of time or you yes. wipe out? Okay. And it would have to be in, in our agreement. It would have to be a hundred percent agreement on what that period of time is. And if there isn't, then you know, then we'd have to sell the home. Mm -hmm. We would prefer not to do that. Our name is Kohana. Okay, so part of us is Hawaiian and part of us is from Oregon. Mm -hmm. And Ohana is really a word that we use on purpose because we're both family guys, we're right, family right. people. So we're trying to create the anti-Picasso in a way, which is this big corporate <laughs> Zillow type, you know, like where you're – and everybody that buys with them seems to love them. We just – we're looking for something just 
smaller, more family oriented. And, there's, and by the way, since I've been in this world, there are all these little fun regional kind of companies like us. There's a company Northeast that does this. They're really great people. We're friends with a guy that does this in Mexico and now kind of Florida. Um, so it's it's a trend and it's kind of out there and we're jumping on that trend. So, oh, go ahead. I was going to ask, uh, are you guys buying the house out, outright or are you financing it or is there an option to do one or the other? There's options to do one or the other. Okay, so I'll get, the example I'll give you is we're, uh, we're talking about building a home in uh, Maui. Okay. And so we as a group would, you know, um, you know, we're going to take out a construction loan and do the project. Right. But when the project is done, our developer is going to essentially uh, buy back the home. And then he's going to offer seller financing for shareholders there we in go. this home. So it's actually, the, as an investor, it's really interesting. It's like a triple play, right? Because you're building a home. So if you do it right, there's an ROI built into that. Then you're going to refinance that and be seller financing to two owners who are going to owe you for an eight-year peri eight period of time. They're going to pay you a, a monthly fee that makes sense yeah. for your investment. Then in eight years, you, you've now deferred – it's like a foreplay because you're, it's a tax deferral thing also because yeah. mm -hmm. now you're not right. paying capital gains on the sale of the house. Right. You're deferring that. Then so you get some money now and some money in eight years and then when you sell the home, theoretically you'd make a profit on that. So there's like that's like four or five investment plays actually in that one. For us, if we're gonna build a house buy a house, we would want to buy it um, and almost have it be like a flip. So we'd kind of buy something that's a little bit undervalued, we would make it look like a Kohana home, and then we would sell it to shareholders for, you know, some sort of profit built in and we would just be super honest about that we would be flipping the property theoretically it would be right. a luxury property but it'd be just be flipping in yeah. that sense mm -hmm. um so that's the, the that's like ownership investment and then if you're a buyer and you're an investor you're investing in the future value of the home and then you would get to use it while you get while you're investing which and there are very few real estate plays that are like that where mm -hmm. you get to use your investment and you know that Alex, because you're an investor, you usually invest it and sell it. You're totally unemotionally attached to it. Yeah. And in this case, you can get slightly emotionally attached to it because you're going to be using it for yeah. eight years. Right. And uh, hopefully, you've done a good enough job of keep you know keeping good care of it. And we do it as as a company. We help with that. Mm -hmm. And then we sell it for a profit. Do you help in the in, in that part of the study? Yeah. The maintenance of it. Is there like a reserves that are built? Yes. Obviously for that. So we're the property manager. And like, so we're the management company for the eight year period. Yeah. So that's how we stay involved. Yeah. Cool. So like we're talking to a company, uh, a guy that I know who wants to buy a house in Destin, Florida. And so how we would do that is that we would partner with local companies in De Destin, Florida and create a team where we're managing that, mm -hmm. um, you know, in house. And um, and then we would provide concierge service, which essentially would be a phone number that goes to someone with Kohana Homes, mm -hmm. and anything you need help with, we would help you with. Yeah. So the difference between us, the three of us, just making an LLC and buying a house together, getting a loan, versus going through you guys, is that you guys provide the all the maintenance and set it, set all the contracts up and That's kind right. of make the make the partnership and the yeah and manage that partnership and so in, in doing research when we were building this up that whole end game concept is what 
makes it hard for buddies or friends to do that, which is how do you get out of this? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. And again, if you sell off the fractions, you hurt your investment. And, you know, sometimes you, you lose friendships <laughs> or f family members or whatever because of fighting over stuff that would be better if there was a middleman. So, right. you know, and that's what, that's what we would provide. And also the, the legal stuff, I will tell you, I, I, this has been a fascinating experience. So our company is a Hawaiian company right now. Mm -hmm. So um, we were turned down by like five legitimate legal firms in Hawaii for creating our contracts because this is so new. Mm. And, you know, I was telling you guys earlier that some of the, some of the parts of Hawaii are having a problem with this. Uh, you know, is, a is are we doing securities? Are we not doing securities? Right, right, are we right. selling real estate? Are we not selling real estate? We are sort of at the beginning of all of these things. And, wow. and Picasso is wonderful because they have all that. They can do securities. They just pay someone who does. Right, right. They can do this. They can do that. These little companies where you're skating on the edge of doing a few things, you you know, that part is hard. And it's, you know, you could theoretically, if you, if you said to your two buddies, hey, this is a great house in Hawaii and we're going to make a lot of money on it. And you all go in and you don't, they could sue you for that. Right. And take out that whole thing and let someone else do that. That's what, that's what we, that's the service we think we're providing. Wow. So basically, all your investors are kind of like silent investors, like they're they're not in the process of building or making decisions. They're leaving that to you. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And you know, it doesn't have to be that way. Um, like this family, this uh, this group and family uh, in Florida is all one big family. So I think that they do want some sort of say about how each other coordinates and things like that. But you know, we would still help facilitate that. Maybe you said this and I missed it, but how many how many shares or how many families are, are everywhere is different. Okay. We think four to six is like the sweet spot. Uh it looks like Hawaii is going to um um challenge the number. We're waiting to see how that turns out. Mm -hmm. Um but uh, some of the companies who ate are, we've thought about this, like the mm -hmm. rotating system of how often you right. use the place. It's a long time to be on vacation. Right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And by the way, if there's uh, something that we would help do is we would prefer that we didn't do this because some areas are against it. But if you want a short term rent your ownership here, cause you couldn't yeah, use I was it, gonna ask about that. you know, uh, you know, your, your times of year, Right, of being able to do that and make some of your investment back are better if you have four owners instead of eight owners. Right. Whatever. Sometimes you're just, you know, you're in a you're in a bad year no matter what, or you're in a, an off season no matter what. Sure. Right. Uh, but um, it, it we just thought we just think rotating schedule wise for especially like in Hawaii. Four to six is better than eight. But right. uh, Picasso, I will tell you, does eight everywhere, but in Hawaii they're doing four. Okay. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, I purchased a timeshare once, and uh, it was definitely being a totally honest. I would feel like one of the worst things. Not that it's bad in theory, but when it comes down to yeah, we want to go use the place, we yeah. want to book it. There, there, literally, you have to go book a year in advance. That's you have right. to know when you're going to go a year in advance, or else you have no way to to reserve your space. That's right. And as a family, I have a family. You can't really predict when you always yeah. want to go. 
you know? So how, what's your management system of how you allocate that um, to the, the co-owners? Well, so it's like almost like a fantasy football draft at the beginning of the process. And so, and, and you know, we go back and forth about this. Should we be consistent with all houses or whatever? It just doesn't work that way. There are some areas where a person would go for a month at a time. So why would right. we make it two week intervals mm -hmm. if we know the owners will go for a month? So we were flexible. The idea would be, uh, like when you own the house before you own, you know, close on that home, you're going to know your schedule basically for eight years. Wow. So you're going to know that takes out that problem. You're certainly and in the neighborhood that we're, <laughs> we're building, yeah, exactly. In the neighborhood that we're building in, in Hawaii right now. So, uh, it has its own pool. It has its own gym, has its own little facility. It's connected to the Kanapali golf estates. It's got its own thing and you can, you know, use that anytime you want, Then you can just start booking things, uh, in a healthier way because you kind of know what you're going to be doing or not. And, and, you know, even when I go to Hawaii now and I stay down on the hill at the hotel, which I love looking up at that neighborhood, I don't know if I'm going to get a, a, a room by the pool. I don't know how long it's going to take me to, to get a space at the gym or whatever, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, and all of this is, uh, you own it. You're, you have all those facilities and mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's, uh, it's like having your own little hotel in some of these places um and you know but you were saying sorry i i, I went off on a tangent but uh yeah you will know your schedule yeah so that there's no gray area now the other cool part about that is um you could say hey i already know in 2025 christmas i'm doing this and it's not going to work and then we just start like trading with yeah. each other and then, you know, now you become this own little ecosystem. What we'd love someday is so many relationships, even with other companies where it's like you can't go to Hawaii for your weeks. Yeah. Maybe you want to go to Florida. We find you a house in Florida and then we have this exchange yeah. system going on. Mm -hmm. And that's one of our long-term goals. Uh, and I just think that'd be such a cool way to, you know, Very run a vacation company. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of, a lot of potential with it. And it's all based on sharing, you know, and just jumping on the sharing trend. Interesting. Yeah. What do you think about the, the like, so in the last, whatever, 10 years, it's been, I don't know when Airbnb was around, yeah. it totally, totally changed the landscape of going on vacation, right? Yeah. We're all, we're all staying in houses now instead of hotels. Do you see like a, a, a big difference in trend um, in the future with vacation. Do you think? Do you see consistent traffic? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I I'm noticing a lot of towns are getting rid of Airbnb. Yeah, right. Um, specifically, yeah. specifically Airbnb. Yeah. Maybe not so much like VRBO. Mm -hmm. I don't know Anything if there's like a short term possibly. thing in general. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, and, and so uh, there are some places where unless you stay in a hotel. The only way for you to access your own um, ownership of a place is to own the whole house or to have one of these arrangements that we're talking about because mm -hmm. uh, you're not they're gonna they're gonna take away short-term rental I I'll give you an example I, I think it's become um, I think people have sort of abused that system which is why it's it's being taken away and I think our solutions like ours we bring in people that want to like you know, they're owners. They want the community to be 
uh, better, you would think, right? And a lot of these Airbnb type owners, they buy their house and then they're gone from the community. And I think the communities are saying, we don't like that. Um, and I, we're hearing that a, a lot. We're following the trends of some of these other companies that are doing what we're doing. And they're getting bite back because they're short, they're doing, they're doing breaking up ownership and doing short term rental. Mm -hmm. And the communities are like, whoa, that's just like way too much. Can you do, you know, we just want to do one or the other. And, and I understand that too. Um, so I, the short term rental business, I think is, I don't know if it's on its way out. I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but I would be very weary to buy Airbnbs in certain places now as an investment, you know? Yeah, I mean, it seems like definitely certain areas are not happy with it, but then like, you know, smaller towns where it's not a travel. I was going to say Portland Metro, absolutely oh, not. Right. Uh, I have one in Troutdale, Oregon, totally fine. No right. issues. Yeah, you know? right. That's so, true. Um, yeah, the smaller towns and, you know, like you don't have to think of it as a vacation rental. People are there for, you know, like weddings or visiting family, et cetera. So, yeah. But also... I am seeing a slowdown in general in short-term rentals, so it's, it's getting a little Just be tough. weary yeah. and know where you're buying because nothing will be worse in two years from now, you finding out that like Gearheart is getting rid of short-term rentals on the coast and now you've got this house, now what do you do? You right. know? Yeah. The slowdown you're talking about is that like occupancy? Like, yeah, occupancy. Like yeah. I was booked every single weekend all the way oh. until now and now I'm just seeing a, a big slowdown in general. I've heard kind of across the board uh, that like most Airbnbs are dropping like occupancy 40% year over year. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just because people are just like buckling down with their money, you know, preparing for a recession. Um, so people are trying to find creative ways to uh, make money with their short-term rentals now, converting them to midterms or maybe getting them uh, rented out long-term. You know, I mean, for me personally, I, I booked Airbnbs when I'm doing like, group travel yeah. where I really want to share space with more friends where we can be cohesive together. But I personally prefer a hotel life. Yeah. <laughs> I prefer a hotel life. <laughs> I mean, it depends on how many people you have. Yeah. Right, that's true. Yeah. If it's exactly. just like you and your wife, you know, typically hotel, right? But if right. it's like 10, 10 people, people, like a family get yeah. together, usually you want, you, it's an Airbnb. Yeah, nice and, and of course, it depends on the destination, as we said. If it's right, a really right. high tourist area and or attractive area where hotel rates are generally higher, it offers a secondary market for people to, to still be there. So right, I, I right. think, I don't know we'll, how see if we'll see it completely go away, but I definitely agree we're seeing um, a lot of cities tighten up their restrictions. I know that, for example, Lincoln County, uh, this year passed yeah. a new measure for yeah. all areas of unincorporated right. Lincoln County, uh, no more short-term rentals. Yeah. Well, and by the way, an, an interesting solution to, I mean, uh, you know, people still have equity in their home. I mean, if, if your equity went up 50 or 60% and now you're down nine, you're still up a pretty good number. I'm not a mathematician, but that's still, <laughs> still a pretty good number, right? Yeah. So you can tap into your equity. If you have an Airbnb where now all of a sudden no one's accessing it, but you still want to own it, this co-ownership thing is an interesting idea because mm -hmm. you can set, you can keep your ownership and you can still short-term rent theoretically, but you can sell out other ownership shares, take that equity, do other things with it. Yeah. Um, or do seller financing, sell, you know, ownership shares. Yeah. And, you know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting solution to not being able to charge a rent, but wanting to make money off your, your properties. That's an interesting point. The equity. So you're saying that you could help 
current owners if they wanted to break up their share break up their ownership and tap their equity you you would be able to offer them a solution that's that's literally our marketing campaign in maui oh, okay uh we're our where we are not seeking out like a property New, to buy you know whatever you're, no, you're we're saying vacation homeowners yeah we know you only yeah. we know you're here three months a year yeah and you're paying 12 months of expenses and okay maybe you know, the, you know, our, our market's down 10% or whatever it is in Maui right now exactly, but you've been up 120% over the last like 10 years. Let's help you sell out some of that equity. You keep your ownership share, nothing happens. And you'll get to manage the property. Months or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're, you know, okay, so maybe next year you'll have to rotate, whatever. But the, I, you know, it's no punishment to us that we have to sell 50-50 ownership shares. To me, with some of those properties, that's even a better way to own it than six more people. Um, where half the year you know you're going to be there, half the year you know, and you know you can do it that way. So yeah, in that sense, you would get your fifty percent of the equity, and you would still be able to use it the same amount of time. Interesting. Yeah. So how 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 uh, are you? Gonna, you're in Maui. Are you you're thinking about scaling through the islands, or or are you focused on that? Focus on Maui. We just started. Um, we just started, uh, we talked to uh, an area, I'm going to wait and say which neighborhood bend that we think this would be a no brainer, this kind of mm -hmm. concept. That place currently doesn't allow multiple ownerships for the facilities in each home. But it, it doesn't make sense why not. <laughs> um, you know, it, they want people using the facilities. So they're they're thinking about it and, and we're talking to them and, and that would be great. So we're focusing on those two areas and, and um, yeah. We're well, but it's interesting, like I think you brought it up earlier maybe, but you know, if the LLC or the corporation owns it, there's only one owner. You have several members, right? And how you decide to manage it between your members is completely between you guys. Absolutely, right? absolutely. I mean, and you know, there are some neighborhoods that don't that don't allow just LLC membership, but most out. neighborhoods do. Most really? neighborhoods do. So yeah, really. you know, like as a restricted covenant, they don't yeah, allow. Just in yeah. HOAs, yeah. HOAs are yeah. kind of hardcore, and they, then they'll restrict how many members can be in an LLC if they want. Oh, okay. And you know, some don't, and then changing those rules makes it harder. And so that those are kind of the neighborhoods that usually get targeted for these kind of ownerships because you know. But then some neighborhoods from the very beginning are really hardcore, and that's just the way. I mean, for example, in Bend. We were talking about before. Tethero is a beautiful neighborhood. Uh, it's got a gorgeous golf course and facilities and stuff like that. And they have a very large portion of their own ownership as LLC. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yet they don't they don't allow for multiple owners. But I guarantee you, if they audited these LLCs, right. they would almost all be multiple owners. How many members right. are on? Yeah. Right. yeah. Maybe yeah. when they first applied to the LLC, there was one owner on it. But right. it's pretty easy to go in and add a couple owners. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so, I, you know, I it, it doesn't seem to make any sense. But I think the exciting part is that we're at the beginning of this. And I do think people are going to mellow out on this because, you know, they're... They need, you know, they need people coming to play at the golf course and going exactly. to the restaurants yeah. and stuff yeah. like yeah. that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we're trying to be welcoming them we welcome members of the community where we're going but we want commerce in all these places and i think there's some of these companies that don't think about that but we're we're trying to uh i'm curious about the business model it seems yeah. like right now you're getting investors to come in and then you're locating a property and then doing the work have you thought about getting the property and doing the work and then finding the investors to come in well yeah so we're building this house in hawaii and so yeah. theoretically that would be that is, is, there, is there not a group of investors for that right now 
Uh, we we don't have owners yet. Okay, it's just us as investors. It's my partners and the company and I are building this house. Yeah, so that's the ownership. Oh, okay. Portion. So we're we're gonna we're just gonna start doing it that way. We we have a couple different ways of doing it, which is that way, which is you know um, finding a, a project that has a little bit of room, um, so you can design it and flip it and be an investor, um, or you know, uh, being a developer, wanting to invest and then staying on as, uh, you know, as the lender for people coming right. in. So, um, yeah, uh, the, the issue, uh, for us, if I'm just being perfectly honest with you at the beginning of, of a company is like, what, what's the best use of our money? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if we were to put 30% down on an invest on a vacation home and own it and then sell the shares, we would need to be short-term rented before we did that. Um, because that's a lot of money to have into, I mean, let's say it's a million dollar property, right? So now we're $300,000 and so that's $300,000 that isn't being used in some other right. way. So what, what's the, you know, we, we went back and forth about what was the best use of our capital to start that process. And we decided it was to build a house because we're going to build a house in Hawaii and we're going to sell it for the company, but we can utilize that to, you know, put the word out that we do this in other ways. And hopefully it's a better right. use of our funds than putting it all into a vacation home and then trying to sell that. Yeah. I think someday we will only do that. Hopefully we will be successful at this enough where we will only go out and right. buy our own house and then sell it. So yeah. But here as a startup, we had to make a decision and we really did think about that. But we decided to partner with someone and build a house and do it this way. But there are a lot of ways to do it. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know if that answers that question. No, no, no that, that yeah, totally, totally makes sense. Yeah. So kind of randomly switching gears here. Um, a lot of our audience are kind of first time investors or, or thinking about getting off the fence and getting into investing. It seems like you've done it in a diff bunch of different ways. If you were to give some advice on how to, how to get into it or get your toe wet, what would, what would you say is like the easiest barrier of entry or best technique? Uh, I mean, the easiest entry would be to find someone who does it really well. Uh -huh. like an Alex uh -huh. and say, well, I've got X amount of dollars. Can right. I, can I partner with you mm. and do this together? Mm -hmm. um, that is how I did it first. There was a, a great guy still here. His name is John. And um, that's what we did. You know, he, he had his skill. I had my skill. We did our skill together, you know? Um, and how did you know that you could trust John? Did you, had you worked with him for no, a while? I <laughs> no, I could. I trust him. Yeah. Just, we didn't write up some contract or anything. We did. Okay. We had an LLC agreement okay. Okay. and we had a contract and all that, but I did not know. Uh, I mean, I just asked people and yet I still didn't know. <laughs> uh, and it was fine. It was fine. It was fine. And I, uh, he's a great guy and his brother was, uh, uh, the actual builder and he did a fine job and everything really luckily worked out, mm -hmm. but it really, it really could not have. Okay. Here's what I will say. If you're asking about that, I would say the better way to do it is to know this, the person and see the projects and all that. Sure. I, there was a little bit of that because if we were working with a builder together and we kind of knew people. So I had a little bit of, you know, I knew that he could do these things. Yeah. Um, but there really was a lot of faith. I mean, there's always, there's always <laughs> risk. Right. Yeah. You always got to yeah. take a chance when you get into investment. doesn't matter like what 
what area it is, whether it's trust, faith, or just money or yeah. market. Like, there's some yeah. risk that you're going to take, and it just goes yeah. to show you got to take the risk, right? Yeah. You do. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, it, it's scary, but if you really want, I mean, you can put your money into like a savings account <laughs> or a bond, yeah. and that would be really simple, yeah. and it would, but it wouldn't be as much fun. Right. Uh, and learn, the prop wouldn't learn anything. You wouldn't learn a skill. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, you know. And also, you know, as you get into investing, you do, you start to learn other parts of the business where, you know, like, again, like doing a seller financing thing or well, uh, holding a property and not selling it right away. That's what I'm saying, yeah. How many projects did you end up doing with him afterwards? John? Yeah. Uh, we did, uh, well, we did four of our own together. There you go. And, there you go. Uh, we made a lot of money. Yeah. No, and he was great. I'll say, yeah. yeah, if it works out, you make a lot of money. Yeah. If it doesn't, you learn something. You do. You <laughs> there do. you go. You're paying for education, right? Yeah, that's, that's what right. my brother always tells me. Whatever failure you have, this is your master's degree in learning how to be that's a right. savvy investor. Yes. And I'll go back to what Jordan mentioned, that having that LLC agreement, a written agreement between partners is really important because yes. I've seen this happen where my friend wants to invest with their their family member, family member's a very handy person, says they'll do all the work, you know? Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, things happen, right? Capacity, time, money, things don't get done right away. And it's really frustrating when you when you can't point back to anything to say, look, this is what we agreed upon. This is, here's your end of the bargain and what you committed to doing. So I definitely do recommend it's important to have a formalized agreement in writing before you enter into a partnership Ideally, uh, a legal, uh, uh, you know, uh, well, really a legal document, LLC. And I say that because don't just pull one from Google and, and fill it out yourself. And I'm not saying that that won't work, but, you know, uh, I've learned too, there's a lot of value in having good legal I mean, yeah, these contracts deal with a lot more than just like bad partnerships. Like what if somebody passes away? Like who does it go right. to? Totally. Totally. Like, yeah. totally. Yeah. So yeah. that's really important. And I will say, now that I have invested in a bunch of things, I would say know when to back out at the beginning mm. based on not getting what you want, right? Okay, so like, for example, if you're doing an agreement like you were just talking about, and let's say your your builder uh, uh, doesn't want any penalty for being late, or you have a time where you want to be done and you want to be built in, well, this is what happens if you're late and whatever. Um, and the builder says, no, I don't want to do that. Okay. And let's say you're uncomfortable with that. I would just, you know, back out of that project. Find someone else. Find, find somebody else. Find another project. There will always be another project. And so yes. if you, at the beginning, don't get everything that you want, it really will come home to roost later on when yeah. you need that thing that you wanted and you right. don't have it. Right. It will come up every single time. And right. so that is something I didn't know I could do, which is just go, yeah, yeah I don't want to do this anymore, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, yeah. and then, you know, you find another project. Now I know that, you know? Yeah. So I would ironclad LLC agreements, pay for the lawyer, right? do all that stuff. Have These are what are called default remedies, right? right. Like what's going to happen in the event this happens? That's right. And, and then we, and, and make it win-win. Like this is a part, sure. if it's someone like you do want to have a success, successful partnership with, it they want it to work out too. Yeah, right? sure. But it's got to be equitable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And just, you know, and, and having it be an open process in the beginning when, you know, let's say in the middle, your electrician blows something up and one person has to tell the other. Yeah. It makes those other conversations a lot easier. <laughs> you have these hard conversations at the beginning. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. 
Well, so. yeah, I think we hit on earlier supply chain right now, which is like things taking longer than expected. Sometimes it is a little beyond your control or yeah. things happen. I had a recent, I'm still working on one of my projects and we had $10,000 of flooring stolen out of the property, oh, oh. you know, and all the tools, of course, and some other things. But we've got to reorder flooring, mm. it takes another two and a half weeks basically to get it here and do all that. So things, things happen, Yeah, you know, things happen, but you know, you got to try to address it up front. It'll save you a heartache later, right? Absolutely. No, I, I just built a house in Hawaii a couple years ago and we got shut down with COVID because mm -hmm. of COVID. Oh, yeah. And about if that. we didn't have those agreements, something would bad, something bad would happen between us. <laughs> but it was just like, you know, there was nothing to talk about for 10 months because everything was like, all right, we're just, yeah. we're, we're, just, we're waiting, down. we're yeah. waiting now. And we already know, we know who we are. We know what's going on. And yeah. you know, when it was over, we put the house in the market and sold in two seconds. But yeah. wow, if we hadn't had that, if we were just two guys building a house in Hawaii. So that's kind of interesting. What? So you, you had to stall construction for two years? No, no, no. Luckily, uh, the day we were supposed to go on the market was March 11th, which was Ooh. the day they shut down America in 2020. Okay. So, but your project um, was already completed. It was done. Okay. So, so that house done. just my mate, my builder lives three doors down. Okay. So it was like we, it was the worst ten months of my life, but also I'm grateful for so many things that were set up because uh, we just it was just in the end. I know this is going to sound pretentious, but it was just money in the end. Right. Because in the end, you know, I had more interest payments for the period of time. That right, right. But my bank negotiated with me in the end, and everybody walked away with one thing or another. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, no, we uh, there were there were projects in that development where it just they just had to sit there. Yeah. So they had to sit there, unable to do anything. And they had to pay all that interest payment during the oh, COVID shutdown. Right. So some people really did lose mm -hmm. out. That was a tough one. But mm -hmm. I learned a lot. Talk about learning a lot. Um, I learned a lot about the lending world and <laughs> who are your friends out there. And, you know. Mm -hmm. Did deferment not happen like soon after? Or? Um, so that particular lender, no. <laughs> Uh, it took me, I called a lawyer in Hawaii and asked a lawyer what I should do. And the lawyer said, uh, stop making your payments and then they'll start talking to you. So that's what I did. I missed the payment and then they started answering my calls yep. and we negotiated, uh, yep. and literally the day that they were supposed to like blow something up based on our agreement was the day they opened up the island because we'd had these nice conversations they kind of forgot to call me for two weeks and in those two weeks i got three offers mm -hmm. but if they if we had had this contentious relationship or this really bad thing and we didn't have things in place mm -hmm. i don't know what would happen but it was really it was just this it was fortuitous and also horrible <laughs> yeah. you know but yeah no it was uh again i had had a lot of experience where i put myself in a position where i didn't know i was protecting myself but because we'd had these agreements all set up that i knew i needed to have yeah you know and I, this is also i don't know if you can put this in later or take it out but then i learned this other thing about recourse and non-recourse yep. loans yep. Yep. which i didn't know before but now trust me i know everything about those <laughs> yeah the difference between even if you have a recourse, uh, a non-recourse loan, but you have an LLC as opposed to an S corp, mm -hmm. there are all these ways where people you can really protect yourself out there, and if they allow you to have these products, not everybody gets a non-recourse loan. But mm -hmm. um, but anyway, I I it was a it was 
not profitable, but boy, I learned a lot. So now we're building another house and I know the questions to ask. And, you know, so it, it was education. Oh, so even though values went up in those 10 months because of the extra interest that you had to pay, it ended up eating into your margin, yeah. huh? Yeah. So it was brutal. And look, I mean, the, you know, there wasn't much I could do. I signed an agreement that said it didn't matter if there was X, Y, and Z. I had to make these payments. Right, right. The and floor. I couldn't have conjured what that thing would have been, right? Now I know, which is a pandemic. And I, so, you know, assume you're going to have a pandemic. Yeah. No, no. It's just, it is, it is what it is, yeah. you know. But luckily, the, everybody was, you know, wonderful. So, so awesome. Yeah, I mean, in the end. And now my business partner on this co-ownership business is my realtor on that project. Oh, cool. So, you know, oh, there you go. I made a business partner. Yeah, that's yeah, how I came to Williams. You got your so. master's in non course loans. So, yeah, yeah. I should teach a course now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, for sure. But yeah. Terrific, terrific. Well, thank you, Noah, for sharing with us. Any other? Yeah, uh, well, Thanks how can we find out more about Kohana and how can people reach you? Yeah. yeah, if you go to uh, kohanahomes.com, which I can, I'll send this all the stuff to you. I think I have, uh, I've sent you guys some of the stuff, but uh, yeah. you can learn everything. There's a card to fill out where if you just put your name and email or something, I'll get back to you personally. And uh, you can look up on the site how to be a buyer, how to be a seller, how to be an investor. It's all laid out for you uh, on the website. And then happy to provide all those, you know, any information people need. And also, if, you know, if you think you want to own something in a place and you're not really sure, um, or you think you want to do some of this flipping, you can also reach out. We can help talk that process through and see if there are any investors out there who want to do this. Yeah. I think we got a, got a few. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. Thanks so much, man. Yeah. We really yeah thanks it. for having me guys. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Thanks for tuning in to the Realized Gains podcast. If you have any questions for our co-hosts or guests, don't hesitate to reach out. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or at jordanleemortgage.com.